Downstairs in the Sardi Shoal every morning. I go to. I used to go when I used to dive at seven thirty. Many and they're finishing up. There, they're, they're, they're up since five in the morning, man. They're, they've been saying it for. Okay, everybody. So, oh, by, by the way, just if it, it, just if you if you try to remember to bring chumachim, you know, remember to bring chumachim. So I had a uh, had a rebbe, had a rebbe who uh, it was in the shear room, and he walked into the shear room, and it was in the other yeshiva. He walked into the shear room. And uh, there were no chairs there. You know, the plastic keter chairs. There was no, somebody had taken them to use them for a simcha the day before. So the Rebbe came into the room and he sat down at his desk and he waited. The first guy comes into the room and he looks around the room and he sees there are no chairs. So he goes in the other room and brings back a chair. So he comes in and the Rebbe says to him, uh, Ruvain, is your back hurting you? He goes, no, why, why do you think my back is hurting me? He goes, well, I know that you walked into the room and you saw there are no chairs here. And I know that the Keter chairs are not that heavy. You could easily carry three or four of them. And you only brought in one. So I figured your back must be hurting you. Right? So I got the hint. Right? So if, if it's possible to bring Chumashem, you could even bring for others. It's a possibility. In any event, we should have the have the point. Don't go, try not to eat while we're, we're learning. Sign up for your Kavadah Torah. For me, I don't mind. Like, if you could share with me, but for the for the Torah, it's a problem. 
Okay, so Parshas Kisova starts Vahoya Kisova Alarta Shashama Gabazafanavi Rashtavia Shavtaba. So it's talking about when they come to Eretz Yisrael, take the first fruits, you put it in a basket, you bring it up to Yerushalayim, you take the Bikurim, and the mission describes the farmer goes down to the field and he sees the fruits that have sprouted and he wraps something around them to mark them off as the first fruits and eventually brings them up to Yerushalayim in a basket and they're given to the Kohanim. Right, which is uh, a good thing. So they're given to the Kohanim. This is one of the, one of the guys asked me before he asked me on the Gemara with Saras, the Gemara on Chavdalat. I think where is it with the Michia, the Saras over there? So he asked me if I was practicing for that for the time of the Beis Hamikdash. Because I'm a Kohen. Kohanim did the Saras stuff. I said not really because there's no money in it. You know, Saras is just a mitzvah. You know, now I talk about Bikurim. And you want to talk about Zro uh, Lechayayim and Keva, well, you got to give to the coin, I'll be there. Right? So, so, what do you call it? If you ever want to eat tongue, I don't think you guys like tongue or not. Tongue is one of the things you either love it or you hate it. Right? Because just, just the idea of what it is. So, some people love tongue, and they, they, some people don't like tongue. And the time of the base of if you want to eat tongue, the only way you could get it is from a coin. Just want you to know that. Because you, any animal that you shep, even if it's not a korban, you have to give the zroh lechayim as a part of the lechayim as a cheekbone along with the tongue. You give to the coin. Coin probably had big freezers. I've been checking prices, but the coin had big freezers where they kept the meat. And then if you want tongue, you go to the coin. You had to buy it from him. It's mosar chula, and you could buy it from the coin, which I will be selling in the time of the base of English. And if you're expecting a discount, forget about it. So uh, you'd be amazed at how expensive things could be. So the Torah here says you bring the bikurim and you bring the bikurim to the kohanim. Now, the first idea, there are two basic ideas behind Bikur. Idea number one is something called Hakara Satov. Hakara Satov means gratitude. Literally, it means Hakara Satov. You recognize the good. So, when somebody does something for you, you recognize the good. It's what we call in Hebrew, what we call in English, gratitude. In Hebrew, it's called Hakara Satov, <laughs> recognizing the good. And you have a debt of gratitude. It's one of the basic ideas on underlying honoring parents. One of the basic ideas is that you have gratitude to your parents for everything they've done for you. They've given you life itself, and everything they've done, everything they've done since then. In spite of the fact they get upset with you when you get a ticket for speeding, but that's not the only thing that they've done. They've done other things for you which are good, and that's also one of the things which is good. And therefore, there's an idea, an underlying idea of of hakara satov. They give you money, and they give you what do you call it, and they and they take care of you, they nurtured you, they changed your diapers when you were young. Imagine the one time they didn't do that. It'd be bad. So all these things that the parents have done, you have to have hakara satov. There's a concept of recognizing the good. So when it comes to Bikur, and we come into Eretz Yisrael, gives us produce. So you take the produce, and you bring it up to the base of Migdash, and you give it to Hashem. How do you give it to Hashem? By giving it to his representative in this world, which is the Kohen. And that's the way you show Hakor Satov to Hakor Shmuel. When it comes to Hakor Satov, you should know there's a uh, there's a, uh, there, there's a uh, uh, the Gemara says Bira de Shasis Mine, a, a well that you drank water out of. Don't throw a stone into that well. Don't throw a stone into a well. You've drunk water out of a well. Don't then go toss a stone in the well. Why not? Why not? I mean, the well is an inanimate object. So what's the difference? Afkamina to the to the well if you throw a stone in or not. The answer is that it's not because of this well. The answer is, what does it do to my midos if I take a drink and then throw water in a stone, a stone into a well? 
it's an inanimate object. But if I'm throwing stone, if I don't appreciate what the well's done for me, so when a when when a human being does something, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna appreciate it either. A lot of what you find in Yiddishkeit has to do with practicing and getting into the habit of doing things, even when it's insignificant. Probably the classic example is why do we cover the challah on Shabbos? Why do we cover challah on Shabbos? There are two reasons that are given. One of them is because the mun was covered. The mun was in like in a carryout case. Top and bottom, it had something in the mun. So the mun was protected on the top and on the bottom. So we covered the challah. There's a challah board and there's a covering so that it, should, it's a, it corresponds to the mun. That's one reason. There's another reason is because normally the challah is the feature attraction at a meal. Bread's the feature attraction. And on Friday night, you push the bread aside into a secondary roll. And now the wine takes over front front, front and center. The wine takes over. It's like what happened to Scotty Pippen when Michael came back after being retired. Right? He was, in, he was in the front, then he got pushed aside, and Michael takes over again. So when it comes to challah, we have to be now. I want you to imagine. Don't worry if you, if you don't know if you don't know what that what that's about. That means that you you have to do tshuva. What uh, the, uh, the 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 what do you call it? the uh, the the uh, um, imagine you're sitting with your family Lel Shabbos. There's a young man comes into the house who's completely secular. Who's never it's his first Friday night meal. Never had a Shabbos before. So he comes into your house. He's sitting with the family, and uh, he comes into the house. And he has a nice meal with you. He said, listen, that was a beautiful, delicious meal. Could I ask you a few questions? Maybe he asked the, wherever that is, could he ask them to either close the door or their mouths, whichever one is easier. But uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, what do you call it? There's a thank you. It worked. You didn't even move your lips. The, uh, the uh, um, um, uh, a guy comes in after he has a wonderful meal with you, and then he says to you after the meal, I'd like to ask you a few questions. What would you like to know? He said, well, first of all, I noticed that, you know, the men came back from the synagogue, and, uh, and they sing a song about the angels. What was that about? He goes, well, you know, we believe that we're accompanied by spiritual angels. You know, so what do you go, wow, that's really neat, that's really cool. And then afterwards, he sang a song about a woman soldier. He goes, no, 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 that's Aisha's Chayel. She's not a soldier. Uh, that's just a tribute to our wives and mothers uh, for making such a good meal. And if we don't do that, then we're not going to get a good meal next, day, next, next week. So we sing it really nicely. He goes, wow, that's neat. And then you, then you, uh, you, you picked up the, the cup of wine and then you made a declaration. What was that? Oh, well, that was just saying that we're better than all other people on earth. Right? That was, that was, oh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Then I noticed everybody poured water on their hands and they went, no, no, no. Right, he says, no, that's, that's just, you know, we're purifying ourselves, make a bracha. Yeah, then I saw that he had the breads on the table, and the breads were covered. He says, yeah, that's because we're sensitive. We don't want the challah to be upset because we're making a, uh, uh, the kiddush on the wine. Now, if I was that guy, and you'd say that to me, you know, up until that point, everything was rational. I was you say, well, we don't want to hurt the feelings of the challah. And, you know, I w- what I would do is I'd start looking around the room, like, did anybody, else, did anybody just hear what this guy said? And the worst part is, everybody else in the room is just looking, going, mm-hmm, that's what, yeah. <laughs> the guy feels like he's in a loony bin. So why are we doing it? Why, why are we doing it? The answer is, hey, listen, I, it's I will tell you the truth. I will confess my sins in public. There have been times when I've made Kiddush, and a little bit of the challah was peeking out underneath. I didn't have it completely covered. Right, I got to do a benadam lechala, so tshuva for benadam lechala. Right, and and I've listened in, and you hear, you know, copious weeping under the under the under the what do you call the You know, what, what is that? All? The answer is that it's a conditioning for us. If I'm sensitive to challah, 
So I'm certainly going to be sensitive to the next guy when there's only one pan of rice and there should be four of them. And I'll take a little bit more, a little bit less, so that the next guy gets some rice at supper. Or whatever, I'm only using an example. Any, any uh, similarities to real life are purely intentional. So if, 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 you know, if I'm sensitive to bread and challah, I'll be sensitive to human beings also. So part of the idea of not throwing a, what do you call it, don't throw a piece of bread, don't throw a stone into the well, is because what if I do? If I do, then it's desensitizing me. That's one of the reasons shechita, shechita, which has been scientifically proven to be almost painless. They've done tests on cows. I once heard about a test where they have the cows about to be shechted and they have a camera on the cow. And they notice that a cow, when a fly lands on the cow, the cow look, flicks with his tail to flick off the, t- the, 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 the flicks with the tail to knock off the fly. Yet shechita, the knife is so sharp that they do the shechita and the, the cow never flicks his tail. So the, 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 the uh, what do you call it, the, uh, uh, the projection is that he doesn't even feel it. Again, the cow cannot be asked. But that, that's the, that, so we know that shechita is extremely sensitive, as opposed to the stockyards in Chicago back in the day when they used to kill the pigs by scalding them to death. That's how they killed pigs in the stockyards. stockyards. Apparently, it's fresher that way. The meat is fresh, and that's apparently very sensitive. So they would pour scalding water on them to kill them, which 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 should definitely be avoided. So the 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 the, the Torah is telling you shechita. Now, why are we shechting the animal with a knife? Because we're sensitive to the animal, it's nothing to do with the animal. If we're really sensitive, we'd leave the cow alive. Nine out of ten cows surveyed recommend staying alive to painless death. Right? So, so you're worried about the cow. So you're worried about the cow. Don't shut the cow. The answer is we're not worried about the cow. We're worried about what would it do to us if we took a, 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 a what do you call? It? We took a blunt object and clubbed it over the head like they do in certain countries. Right? They club the animal to death. What does it do to you as a, as a, as a person? So Hakor Satov, not throwing a stone into the well, is said that a person absorbs the meat of Hakor Satov. It doesn't desensitize us. Rav Shach Satzal, Rav Shach was the Galador, and his he, Rav Shach was married to Rav Isser Zalman Meltzer's niece. Rav Isser Zalman was one of the Galador, the previous generation. He was married to Rav Isser Zalman Meltzer's niece, and Rav Isser Zalman was Rabbo Muvak. He was his main Rebbe. So when Rav Isser Zalman was Nifter, Rav Shach bought the grave next to Revisor Zalman's the kever next to Revisor Zalman where he was buried sometime later there was a young Talmud Chacham in Eretz Yisrael and this young Talmud Chacham died and he expressed his wishes he expressed his wish to be buried in that kever next to Revisor Zalman this Talmud Chacham had been the one who when Rav Shach came to Eretz Yisrael years earlier when Rav Shach came to Eretz Yisrael years earlier okay when Rav Shach came there to sell years earlier, this Tabar Chacham had gone to the port to greet Rav Shach. When he came to the port of Haifa, wherever it was, this Tabar Chacham had been the one to greet him. So when he expressed his wish to be buried in that kever, Rav Shach said, I have a debt of Akaras Atovtim. He greeted me at the port. I even got my kever for him. So a lot of people think, why, why, that's to such an extent you have Akaras Atov, you know, how would, there's no end to it. I don't know. I don't know what the limits is. Where's the statute of limitations on our Korosatov? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you can never, never pay off a debt. Somebody did something for you. Maybe you can never pay off a debt. So when a person understands, that's the first idea. The first idea is our Korosatov. There was a story in England. This guy was, uh, uh, what do you call it? There was, a, uh, there was an old man and there was a rat that got into the house. So the grandchildren took brooms and they chased the rat into, they had the rat cornered under a bed and they were going to kill the rat. So the lady came out and said, leave the rat alone. 
There's anxiety, you know, rats are, you know, they're, they're disease infested and they're dangerous. He said, leave the rat alone. So he said, why should we leave the rat alone? He said, listen, I was in the Holocaust and I was in one of the barracks at night. It was freezing cold, we didn't have blankets. So what we did was we would lie next to each other. We'd lie next to each other. In the body heat, we kept each other warm. But I was the guy on the end of the row. So I had somebody on one side of me. On the other side of me, I was exposed. But the rats were also cold. So every night, the rats would come, and they would rub up against me, and they kept me warm. So Adayom, I have a chorus of tov to the rats. Leave that rat alone. So, you know, if you stop and think about it, love Dafka that that rat in England was the same rat that it was in the barracks. He might not even have been related, you know. Yet, the, the conceptually, the guy is saying, I have to have a debt of a Korsatov. Ultimately, what this is supposed to lead to is a Korsatov to a Korsatov, what a Korsatov does for us. So everybody has issues in life, yet everybody has good things in their life. So a person has to have a Korsatov for good things. I know a guy who was a Balchuva. He told me he was from the university. He was at the University of Michigan. He was in Michigan, and he was hitching a ride. And uh, uh, he was hitching a ride somewhere, and he had a backpack and he was hitching a ride and a car stops, two black guys are driving the car the guy gets in and they start driving him they go driving along and all of a sudden at a certain point they pull off the highway and the state trooper cuts them off in front and the state trooper cuts them off in back they get up with drawn shotguns everybody get out of the car, put your hands on the roof of the car it turned out that these two guys had just stolen the car they had just escaped from Jackson State Penitentiary picked up the car, picked this guy up as a hitchhiker unclear what their intentions were the chesed committee they weren't unclear what their intentions were and this guy managed to this guy managed to get out of it alive right now we don't even know the things that that that, that does to keep us out of trouble i just saw a guy today almost cross the train tracks right and it was almost his last you know they say to to avoid that rundown feeling look both ways before crossing the street well, this guy got off of one train and he was driving. All of a sudden, my train driver starts honking because this guy almost walked right in front of the other train and he's got that. So sometimes, you know, you have a bus on the other side of the street. You guys have been here already enough time in Israel to do this very clever maneuver. The bus is on the other side of the street and you want to catch the bus, so you go running around the front of the bus to get on. Now, bus drivers have been known to pull out at about 60 miles an hour. Right? So you're running in front of the bus, you're running right because you don't want to be late. Well, you know, uh, better be late than the late. Right, so, 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 so you know, you know, you know, and you don't know. You might have done something really, really stupid, and of course, Rachel got you out of trouble anyway. You have to have a car that's tough. There's a case here in Israel. A girl tried to commit suicide. She jumped out of an eighth-story window, so a building somewhere in Tel Aviv, and just then a mattress truck was driving underneath, and she landed on a mattress truck, two-story, and on a mattress truck. So I heard once a comedian once said he doesn't understand people try to commit suicide. And you know, like it doesn't work the first time. You didn't take enough pills, or you know, you landed on something happened, and then they don't try again. He said, "I don't understand what changed." All it means is you just there's one more thing in life you're bad at. You got even more room, more reason to commit suicide, not less. You know, you don't even know how to pull a gun trigger properly without jerking your hand. You know what's wrong with you? You've got more reason to kill yourself. All right, be that see, be that as it may. The bottom line is, the bottom line is that you don't even know where in life you have to have a curse of You have to have there's a there's a debt of a curse of the Whatever Ribanshal is giving you, you have to have a debt of a curse of That's idea number one. Idea number two is that. For Bikurim, is the Gemara says, What a person produces, he wants very much. Now you go out to the field, you plant trees. The first three years you can't touch them because it's Orla. The fourth year you got Netaravai. Finally, in the fifth year, you're ready to get at those fruits. And finally, you're right. And there's number one, a very strong connection to something you've produced. 
the Torah says Noach became an Ish HaAdama. The Pasuk says, Noach came out of the Teva, he became an Ish HaAdama. It doesn't say that Noach worked the earth. He became an Ish HaAdama. You are addicted to the earth. He became a man of the earth. Agriculture is addicting, number one. Number two, it's the first fruits. You can't wait to get at them. And number three, there's a certain feeling of accomplishment. There's a connection. I don't know if any of you have ever had relatives who have planted, who have, if you had a garden, with relatives who have grown either cucumbers or tomatoes or anything like that, they can be sometimes the most annoying people you will ever meet. Right? Because this guy's got his cucumbers in the backyard and all he does is talk about his cucumbers. His cucumbers and his tomatoes. He even comes in like, hey, the, the tomatoes broke through. You want, you want to see them? No, I really don't want to see them. No, I really couldn't care less about your tomatoes. You're in the middle of watching the fourth quarter of a good basketball game and this guy's talking to you about his cucumbers. I, I, really, I, I really don't care. And that's all. They're in love because they're growing it. It's a passion. And then the big day comes, they bring it in. You know, you got, anybody want to taste my cucumbers? And he brings in this decrepit-looking, bitter-tasting creature that has got an unidentified, it fits the scientific, theoretical possibility of matter without form. And he brings, he brings this thing into the table, and you want to take, no, I don't want your cucumber at all. That's more, more bitter than any medicine I've ever tasted. You know? And you sit there, and I'm eating the three-for-a-dollar beautiful ones from the, from the, from the super. Those, those are much better. And this guy sits there, cuts up his cucumber, Chomp, chomp. They're really good. It is not, you liar. <laughs> and, he, and he's eating them again. It's a, it's a labor of love. So the Torah says to you, that desire that you have, that natural desire to take, to grab, and keep it for yourself, that desire has to be broken. The very first ones, the ones you want the most, that has to be brought to your side. That has to be brought to your side. That has to be given to Coach Baruch. I met a guy once. A guy came to our Samach. So I asked him a, I asked him a very uh, provocative question question a lot of people have trouble I said to the guy you know we're schmoozing for all that and eventually I said what's your goal in life a lot of, it's a question a lot of people can't answer what's your goal in life you know guys I want to be an accountant well that's your goal you mean for eternity right exactly exactly how long is that going to last so I said to this guy what's your goal in life so he says to me he attends Ohio State University and Ohio State University plays in the biggest game of the year the football game is against Michigan Ohio State against Michigan and the halftime of an American college football game, if you ever watch an American college football game, the marching band comes out on the field, and they annoy, you, they annoy everybody for 20 minutes to the second half. And this guy told me he was a member of the Ohio State University marching band, and he played the tuba, which is an annoying instrument. And he played the tuba. However, at the biggest game of the year when Ohio State plays Michigan, my wife's from, my wife's from Columbus, which is where Ohio State is, and when they, if you're a Michigan licensed plate, on the weekend when they're playing Ohio State, your car's going to be slashed. You know, forget about it. They're going to—it's not a good. And if you're Ohio State, and Michigan on the weekend, forget about. It. They're going to set it on fire. So this guy tells me he's the senior tuba player. He has the singular honor and distinction at halftime of the biggest game of the year. The Ohio State University marching band spells out in humid formation the words Ohio State, and the senior tuba player has the singular honor, covered and distinction of being the guy who gets to dot the I in the word Ohio. He said to me, that's my goal in life. And I have to try to, you know, remain, you know, just calm and neutral. And I'm sitting across the table looking as the guy says this, I'm thinking to myself, no, really, like, what comes next? I mean, you get to cross the T? I mean, you know, like, this is really impressive. That's your goal in life. In other words, your goal is to live till you're 22. Because right? that's, that's when this takes place. That's when you're going to be a senior in college. So 
we're shmuzing for all today. The guy's from, and he's got he's got uh, what do you call? It? He's married. He's got three tubas. Uh, sorry, three kids. <laughs> and uh, what do you call? It? He's a zaydi already. I think. So, I, so, so I, afterwards, I was thinking about it, and if you stop and think, the guy said his goal in life is to dot the i. Okay, a dot. If you know anything about dikduk, if you're a guy who likes dikduk. If you guy who likes dictic, you're probably a lonely person. That's the truth. And I found that people who like dictic also drink Dr. Pepper. Now, I don't know why that is, right? I don't know why that is. We have to do research. In any event, I was thinking about the word adat in Hebrew. In Hebrew, dictic, adat is called a dugesh. The word dugesh means emphasis. That's why a soft letter, a sub, becomes a ta, and a chub becomes a ka. Because you put a dot in there, you put a dugesh. Dugesh means emphasis. So I, I thought about it afterwards. When he said, I want to put a dot, I want to dot the I. He was once speaking about his goal. He's speaking about a goal of an entire selfish society that the goal of life is to put the emphasis on the eye. That's what the guy was really saying. That the goal is to put the emphasis on The Torah is telling you, no, that's not the goal of life. The goal of life is to take the dot off the eye. And the way you take the dot off the eye is the thing, the very thing that you want more than anything else that you're going to give to the rebuttal law. Number one. Number two, the Torah then says, Ubasa el you go to the coin. Ve'amartai love, you say to him the following, He gadati hayom la'ashem elokecha, posa gimel. I have stated today to Hashem your God, ki basi alorat Hashem, nizhba Hashem la'avosei lo'asem. The fortune may ask. The guy comes up, he says, He gadati hayom la'ashem elokecha. I have made a statement today to Hashem your God. Okay. The problem is he hasn't said a word yet. What do you mean, he gadati alorat Hashem? He hasn't said anything. He hasn't said anything. So what does he mean when he says, ve gadati hayom? The fortune may ask, what does it mean, ve gadati hayom? So first to explain that there's an idea, there's an idea of emor ma'at say harbe. Say little and do a lot. The mission says in Pirkeovos. Let your actions do the talk. He got it to How have you made your declaration? You've made your declaration by showing up and doing what the Rebbe wants. That's the declaration of devotion. Well, this talk is cheap. There was a boxer. I don't know if you remember Muhammad Ali. You, you have heard of Muhammad Ali? I don't know. I don't know what you've heard of. What you haven't? You know, I don't know. But but back in the day, when so Ali fought a guy named Kenny Norton, and Ali spent a couple of weeks talking about what he's going to do to Norton, and Norton beat him and broke his jaw. I was a little kid at the time. So Time Magazine had international news. This is the main main event in the world, right? They have a picture on Time Magazine. They had. Ali's swollen jaw on the cover of, Muhammad, of Time magazine and the caption I must have been 11 or 12 years old at the time the caption said the jaw is broken but the mouth lives on right it's a big musservor what's all that talk worth you're on your back what's all that talk you're on your back with a broken jaw what's that talk all that talk going to do for you so when, when a person wants to demonstrate now you'll show you'll see when you get married You'll see again. I once read it. What are the three words a woman likes to hear the most? And if you say what I think you're going to say, I'm going to just have to throw you down the stairs. What are the three words that a woman likes to hear the most? And if you think it's "I love you," then you don't know the first thing about life, right? She doesn't want to hear that. That that means nothing. What are the the three words she wants to hear most? You know they are. I'll tell you the second. The second. You're always right. The oh, oh, the second best words are "You were right." That's number one, right? <laughs> number one is for to hear have a husband say, "I was wrong." They have a husband say, "I was wrong." They love that because they suspect that men, correctly so, they suspect that men have a big ego and are immature, which is true, and it's very difficult to admit we're wrong, which my wife has never heard. 
right? I have said a few times you were right. I've also said to her, don't criticize my choices because you were one of them, right? So, so the, the, the uh, what do you call it? So, so, you know, you got you to, gotta, what do you call it? You got to know, you got to keep them in their place. So it was tuna fish for me that night. So, so the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The, 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 the uh, husband who wants to demonstrate that he cares about his wife, to say I love you and head out the door means nothing. You want to show that somebody means something. You want to tell your mind. You want to show appreciation to your mother. So go on Motzei Shabbos and go without being asked, nudged, cajoled, and forced. Go to the sink and start washing the dishes, including crusty chol pots. Right? Go do that. That speaks louder than anything else you could do. What you say doesn't matter. Go show her. Go do something for your mother without being asked. Now, they're just buying a mother day's uh, birthday present. Birthday present is nice. But to go do something for her, that's a demonstration. So a guy comes to the base of Migdal, she brings the fruits, he's taking the first fruits, and he's overcome the desire, brings them to your slime, that's Pshat and he got it. Though. He got it. Though. Okay. Now I'll tell you a shot from Ramir Shapiro from Lubin. The Ramir the Dafiyam says a very interesting shot. Take a look at Puzzle Test. It says, So Akos Brochu has brought us to Eretz Yisrael. And he gives us the land, Eretz Zavas Cholavudvash. So Ramir Shapiro has a very creative idea here. It's not the Pashup Shat and the Pashup. Pashup Shat is Eretz Yisrael Zavas Cholavudvash that is very rich and it produces, produces all, the basic, uh, all the basic whatevers that we need and so on and so forth. Ramir Shapiro says a very creative. Where does, where does Dvash, there are two types of Dvash. When the Torah talks about Dvash, normally when the Torah talks about honey, it means Dvash Tamarim, it means date honey. That's what the Torah means by Dvash. It's Dvash from the Zion Minin. Eretz, Chit of Shemen Udvash. Zais over there, the Dvash over there is, is honey. There. But there's another type of honey, which is bee honey. Which is what we think of as Dvash. Dvash is bee honey. Okay? Now, there's also something called Cholov. There's milk. So the normal milk that people drink is cow's milk. But there's also something called mother's milk. There's something called mother's milk. Baby's born, baby nurses from the mother. Where does mother's milk from? From the Gemara Nida says, the expression the Gemara says, a woman who is nursing, physiologically, a woman who is nursing does not have her Nida cycle. The Nida cycle shuts down. The way the Gemara puts it is, the dam turns into milk. That's what the Gemara says. The dam turns into milk. That doesn't mean it literally. The dam doesn't turn into milk. Her dam, the dam cycle shuts down while she's nursing. Nursing is a natural contraceptive. While a woman is nursing, most of the time her nida cycle shuts down. The way the Gemara puts it in the Gemara's uh, 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 classic uh, uh, manner, the Gemara says, the cholov turns into milk. So Mayor Shapiro says that you have over here, it says, Eretz Eretz Zavas Cholavudvash means Eretz Yisrael has honey and it has milk. Pasuk Tes. So Rebbe Shapiro says, let's look at the source of these two things. Where does bee honey come from? It comes from bees. Now, it's something kosher. You're allowed to ingest the honey. Yet the source is an animal that's not kosher. That's tummy. It's a bee. You have mother's milk, which according to the literal meaning of the Gemara, the babies can ingest it, but it comes from a tummy source. It comes from the blood, even though it's not literal. Symbolically, says Meir Shapiro, Torah is alluding to the idea 
that when people come to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael has the ability to turn something that's Tameh into something that's kosher. A person could come to Eretz Yisrael, and a person could become inspired in Eretz Yisrael. That if a person who has possibly, I don't want to say somebody's Tameh, but somebody who may not be that great, you know, in Ruchnias, and somehow Eretz Yisrael could kickstart a person. That's what Mayor Shapiro says is alluded to here. You have the phenomenon of countless people countless people who have come to Eretz Yisrael and something happens. Something happens in Eretz Yisrael. Something happens. There's a, you, you, you become inspired. I know a girl I know a girl who became a Balas Tshuva and her father was loaded. She's married, by the way. She, her father is loaded. Right? She's also older than you. So she became a Balas Tshuva. And uh, what do you call it? Okay, there are other ones out there. There are other uh, sharks in the sea. The, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, the uh, what do you call it? This girl, this girl was a Balas Tshuva. And uh, I once asked her, her father was a, a rich guy who was retired and he's a golfer. So I once asked her, is your father, is your father, what do you call it, has he ever contemplated becoming a Balchuva? She said to me, well, he once made a trip to Israel and he told his friends that if he gets a spiritual awakening, then he'll become religious. But he went to Israel and he didn't have a spiritual awakening. Well, you know, he went to Netanya and he went to Elat and uh, somehow uh, Tel Aviv and he never got that spiritual awakening. So this guy was obviously coming up with a nice catchy phrase that he could tell people so it sounds like you're wow, well thought out if I have a spiritual awakening I'll, I'll, I'll become a Baljuva and he had no intention whatsoever to go looking for any sort of spiritual awakening and he never did a person who wants to is looking for it Eretz Yisrael is a great place for a person to get kick started, jump started should you live in Eretz Yisrael or not that's a completely different story we are not Israel thumpers that means that we don't live in Israel for the sake of living in Israel. We live in Israel if a person is good for your ruchniyus. So Dessler says that Eretz Yisrael is one of the best kalim that Hakadosh Baruch Hu has given us. It's a kli for a person to grow if you use it properly. If a person could grow better in Pittsburgh, don't ask me how that's possible. But if a person could go better in Pittsburgh, you live in Pittsburgh. If a person could go better in London, you go to London. You have to take into fact your considerations of Parnosa, family opportunities, be mashpia. There are a lot of different factors. We don't go to Israel for the sake of being in Israel. This is where we part company with other hashkafas, with other hashkafas. That Israel isn't an ends. Israel is a means to an end. If you can live here and you could grow and all else is equal, yeah, by all means, it should be in Eretz Yisrael, and there is a certain ain't or Eretz Yisrael. The era of Eretz Yisrael, the era of Eretz Yisrael makes you wise. Sometimes it makes you wise enough to realize you shouldn't be here. Right? There's also wisdom. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, somebody once said, I'll tell you, the best Hagdorah I ever heard for Israel is the best I ever heard. A once said the following. You've got, I don't know, you guys have been here since Rosh Chodesh El, a little bit, a little bit before that. Somebody once said, nothing in Israel is real. Nothing here is real. The driving isn't real. You know, if a bus could drive up on the sidewalk and honk you out of the way, right, that's not real. Right? The money is certainly not real. Right? You, you know, you throw it around. Like, you know, I have a couple of shekels. You know, you get in the cab, take a cab, throw it around. I've been in America. I paid dollars for a cab ride. It hurts. It's painful. I'm giving this guy money for a ride. In Israel, yeah, take a 50, take a 20, take whatever it is, and I'll print more at home. Don't worry about it. You know, you got, you got way to go. It, it doesn't feel real. The entertainment industry in Israel is anything but real. If you know anything about the entertainment industry, they're a good 50, 60 years behind the rest of the world. 
the, uh, the, the comedy in Israel, if you've heard these guys on the radio, I hear these guys on the bus, sometimes these comedy routines in Israel, I want to tell you something. It's, they are at least at third grade level, right? And, 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 and that's only an improvement over what they used to be. So, so it, it, nothing here is real. Nothing in Israel is real. The politics is not real. The, uh, they, had a, they had one year, they had the, uh, the, the, do you know that the shekel, by the way, just the, uh, uh, do you know what the shekel is, the official name of the shekel is? Israeli New Shekel. The Israeli New Shekel. Make a diuk. There used to be an old one. How do you like that? Like, it's, like the, it's like why the Polish army has glass, why does the new Polish navy have glass bottom boats? To see the old Polish Navy, right? So they so they had it. They have what's called they have what's called a new the new shekel because there was an old shekel. Why was there a new shekel? Because there was runaway inflation. So what did they do? They took the the shekel and got what we have a one shekel coin, which used to be a one shekel piece of paper, was at a thousand. So how did they fix it up? They simply shaved off three zeros, called it the new shekel, and printed a one. Every economist in the world will tell you that does not work. You could close the door, lock the door, last one out, your country's gone. It worked here. No problem. That's fine. It works. The, the way he called, here we are. I was once in a cab. Cab driver says the guy in the news is reporting the various problems in the country. Well, you know, we got, you know, got security and money and this, all the, all the problems in the country. The cab driver is driving, he says to me, Tagidli Maya Bodhisattva Shana. What's going to be in another 20 years? So I started laughing. So I said, What are you laughing about? I said, Because 20 years ago, people were asking the same question, and here we are. We're the answer to their question. Here we are. They, they, nothing here is real. It, it, it's like it, the, the policemen remind me of kids running around in poor uniforms, right? And, you know, a New York cop is something. You know, there's a guy, you know, some Irish guy who looks like he could step on you. You know, here, the policeman just like, you know, the, the uniform is just too small on him or something. You know, it, 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 nothing's real. If you ever go to try to find an address in San Hendrian Murchevet, it's not real. Right? You got building 41 and right next to it is 19A. What were you thinking here? What, 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 what were you thinking? Is that real? None of this is real. You feel like you're almost on a Hollywood set. Right? The train stopped by Ursamach. True story. Ursamach, the, 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 the train stops on, on uh, what do you call it? Shimonat Sadik. The, the, the train, the light rail, which isn't very light, stops about uh, maybe uh, 75 yards from the door of Ursamach, maybe 50 yards. So one day it was Erev Pesach, there were guys outside were burning their chametz a couple of years ago. The train is moving, the train stops. The conductor gets off the train and he runs over and says, I needed a fire to burn my chametz, here you go. Right? And everybody's just waiting on the train. Right? <laughs> and in Israel, if anybody on the train would say, everybody would say, you don't see, he's burning his chametz, what's wrong with you? That's perfectly normal, stop the train in the middle. You know, that's perfectly normal. It's not real. There's only one thing that's real here is Ruchnias. The only thing here is real is Torah. You walk out on the street, everywhere you go, there's a base medrash. You walk in Bnei Brak, I don't know if you guys have been to Bnei Brak yet. You walk into Bnei Brak, the odds of any given door being the door to a kolo are about 50-50. Right? It's either somebody living there, or a kolo, or somebody who used to live there and it became a kolo. Right? That, 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 that's what it is. And nothing is Eretz Yisrael, is Ruchnias. So the Mayor Shapiro says, for a person who it's the right thing, Eretz Yisrael has the ability to take something tummy and turn it into inspire it and turn it into something to her. Okay, one more idea, very quickly. <coughs> They had, by the way, they had a drought 
in Eretz Yisrael. We had about five years of drought. And the Kinneret, at one point, was the main source of water in Israel. The Kinneret the, 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 the was the main source of water in Israel. And now I think they have underwater, underground aquifers, I'm not sure. But at the time, it was a crisis, because the Kinneret is the main, the main body of water in Israel. There were five years of drought, one after the other. And there's an imaginary red line in the Kinneret, which is the danger line, when the water drops down to the danger line. They had the Minister of Agriculture on a live broadcast in the radio in Israel, and they said to him, Sir, what are you going to do if the Kinneret hits the red line? And he said, It's not a problem. We will erase the red line and draw it lower. Right? Actually, on our, and, and when you've been in Israel long enough, you just go, Oh, oh okay. Uh, all right. Okay. Uh, that, that works. Right? That's not real. It's not real. That, that, that's make belief. That, that, that's not real. So, Eretz Yisrael runs on a different. It runs on different rules. The Kodesh Baruch Hu runs the country on different rules. Not, the country's not, not going to leave it close. But if a person wants to take advantage of Eretz Yisrael, a person wants to make use of Eretz Yisrael, so Eretz Yisrael has the ability to be the thing that can jumpstart a person. Obviously, nothing's going to happen if a person wants spiritual a spiritual awakening, and they're in the wrong places at the wrong in the wrong places. Nothing's going to happen. But if a person hits a base medrash and a person is sitting and learning, the learning you do in Eretz Yisrael is qualitatively <coughs> has the potential to be the same amount of learning, same amount of thing. He has a different effect than you because of the because of the error the, the, the of Eretz Yisrael. That's what our manager first said. Okay, we'll stop here, Joe.